from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. It's the top of the week, which means we are returning with some strange news for you. Uh, We've got some got some uh, murders about, possibly some ghosts. We've got some uh, sketchy arrests and billionaires. Uh, we also have an underreported story uh, from here in the United States. Uh, Matt, I propose that since uh, we just did two stories last week, we start with your story today. How's that sound? Absolutely. Let us do this. And as you said, it is an underreported story. It takes place in a fairly small town called Mead, Nebraska. In our last Strange News episode, we did a bit of a call out to everyone there in Mead. So let's begin uh, by kind of taking you there. If you pull up Mead, Nebraska on a map, you can see that it's kind of in between Lincoln, Nebraska and Omaha, Nebraska. But uh, 
if you were, if you drew a line between those two major cities, it would kind of be northwest from the center of that line. It's really small too, right? It's a very, very, very small town. Yes. And we are specifically going to be talking about this tiny little town and an energy company that is by car about 2.6, 2.7 miles away, directly to the south of the town. And we're pulling from a story out of The Guardian. It was written by Carrie Gillum on January 10th of this year, 2021. Here is the headline. There's a red flag here. That's a quotation. How an ethanol plant is dangerously polluting a U.S. village. Okay, so we've talked before on numerous episodes. Specifically, I'm thinking about the one where we talked about the movie Dark Waters, and we interviewed mm-hmm. a gentleman who was looking into that story for a long time. We've talked before about pollutants that can come as a side effect of, of energy production, of you know what we talked about in the livestock industry episodes. of Manufacturing. Just, you, um, well, yeah, manufacturing, feeding, lots and lots of animals that produce a bunch of byproduct or you know, fracking. waste. Fracking. We've talked about a lot of these problems where there's something that occurs because of a, a manufacturing process, and then that thing, that one chemical then causes great damage to the surrounding area. And in cases like that episode we did previously, you're talking about pollutants that stay around forever. And just a quick reminder, even for myself, the dark waters was the material that was used to make Teflon, to make nonstick pans. And essentially the company actually covered up some studies that they internally had done to show that this material did leach into soil and stick around longer than anyone would have liked. And then, you know, showed uh, proof that there were dangerous effects on humans. Correct. And the bad guys had a lot of money in that scenario. Matt, tell me uh, history is not repeating itself. History isn't necessarily repeating itself, but it is. It, this story is if you took that story and then put on top of it the Clothianidin stories that we talked about with the disappearing bee populations across the world. Neonicotinoids. Yeah. Neonicotinoids. You put, take those two, smash them together. That's what this story is. So there is a company called Alt-N, as in alternate or alternative energy. So Alt-N... This energy company that's very close there to me, Nebraska, they create biofuel, specifically ethanol. This is something that gets mixed in a lot of times with the gasoline, the fuel that you'd purchase at any gas station for your vehicle that it, that uses petroleum. They use plants like corn that we've talked about, a lot of the high starch grains, uh, they use those. And one specific thing that they use at this plant that a lot of other places don't are seeds that are coated. Okay. So they're coated in something that is specifically meant to prevent those seeds from being eaten by other pests. You know, these as pesticides. Um, these things are coated in this stuff, every one of them. And what Alten does is they quote, recycle these seeds, essentially clean them, make them ready for use in the ethanol creation process. The problem is there is a waste byproduct of these pesticides that were coating the seeds. And what Alten has been doing is, or at least what they're accused of doing, and what there's an investigation into right now, is that there are large deposits of these, these waste products, these pesticide waste products that are just kind of sitting there on the land that we're building up over time. 
and that ended up seeping into the groundwater, seeping into the, the local waterways, and they were making local residents and animals very, very sick. It's interesting, though, right? Because, I mean, even the process or the type of fuel is, is supposed to be more environmentally friendly, right? That's the whole idea. In some ways, it is. In a lot of ways, it is. And this, you know, this isn't necessarily a bad idea. Alton is making use of these these coated seeds in a way that they wouldn't be used otherwise, and they would just end up being placed somewhere if they were no longer viable for planting, right? They would just be discarded somewhere, and probably the same process would be happening just somewhere else. The, the, the problem is there's so many of these seeds in one place, and there's so much of this waste byproduct being generated through the process of recycling that it's almost like you're getting a, a massive concentration of it in one spot. And just just for background here, when we're saying pesticides, we'd earlier said neonicotinoids. Uh, it is, oddly enough, it is what it sounds like. Uh, they're sometimes called neonics, I believe, as well, Matt. Um, these... These things have been a known issue for some time, but the two quick points I wanted to interject is that first, uh, something like these pesticides are a big part of why we have reliable food production. Uh, There are a thousand problems with it. Uh, And second, like we said in an earlier uh, episode or segment, I can't remember. Yes, everything in the U.S. runs on corn. We've figured out how to make corn a fuel, uh, but it sounds like we're not cleaning it the way we need to or cleaning agricultural products in general. Yes. And and in this case, it is a matter of cleaning. It's just what do you do with that stuff that's left over after it's cleaned? And I mean, to add another kind of bizarre layer to this, you know, the whole idea of something that is supposed to be good for the environment, clearly causing some problems, they have asked or, or sort of like positioned themselves as a quote-unquote recycling center for other companies, other farms, to bring them these non-viable seeds that are like they're referred to as pesticide-laden seeds, uh, or treated rather. Um, and, and, and essentially it, what it does is it gives them kind of a supply, a free supply chain. So they can like say, oh, well, we're going to recycle them, but also uh, they still have to deal with that waste product because you can't actually feed these grains to animals anymore, right? That's right. And and there's this weird thing going on here, at least according to the Guardian article, where Alton is distributing this stuff out. And they're they're calling it almost a product, that they're distributing it out to, um, to farms around their area. They're calling it a soil conditioner. And this is including some of these byproducts. And they're also accumulating a ton of it on the grounds of their plant. Where where they're functioning, so so you're you're saying okay, this sounds bad. It's some kind of chemical. We don't want that in you know our animals or our bodies. What's the effect? Well, uh, residents there in Mead, Nebraska, have been noticing a couple things. It started with a smell, just a kind stench. of a strange, yeah, a stench <laughs> that they that they weren't normally used to there. Um, it was almost as if something was rotting. And that would make sense because the process to create these, this alcohol, this ethanol, uh, is to ferment the, the, the seeds and the, the other grains that they're using there. That would make a lot of sense. But then there's this other thing. Um, irritation of the eyes, irritation of the throat, nosebleeds that were coming on out of nowhere. Uh, then they were noticing that bees were dying off all around the place, including in, um, in the University of Nebraska, which is down there by Lincoln. 
They were noticing that bee populations were dying off. Butterflies were disappearing. Uh, dogs, other pets were getting all disoriented and getting very sick. Um, they noticed dilated pupils was one specific thing in these pets that they were causing very a lot of concern, really. And here's why. The EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, gives you know, a safe measure of how many pollutants can be in any water, right? We've talked about this before. Anytime you're drinking tap water, there's stuff in there, but it is so small in the, you know, X parts per billion that you are very much likely not going to be injured by that if you consume a regular amount of water. Which is not normal in other parts of the world. We're very lucky in that regard. Yeah, it's the same way there's like an allowable level of ground up cockroaches that can be found in coffee grounds. Or rat feces in uh, various products. But uh, but you're right. Uh, you, you're absolutely right, Matt. So, you know, before we get into the urban legends about the percentage of spiders allowed in cereal boxes or whatever, uh, what are the specific parts per billion of these uh, neonicotinoids in question? Well, I'll, I'll read directly from the article here. So the, the neonics that are allowable within a water source, food and water sources, are 70 parts per billion. You're allowed to have 70 parts per billion parts of neonics in a source for it to be safe. And um, generally, there's there are more specifics there you could go into depending on exactly which which pesticide in that class you're talking about. But let's just use 70 parts per billion as our benchmark here. Uh, there are also benchmarks for aquatic life within freshwater who are, you know, the aquatic life that's exposed to this kinds of thing. Um, and this is specifically for invertebrates. The, the, um, the neonic known as clothianidin, the benchmark is 11 parts per billion. And for another one called thiamethoxam, that's what it's called. Uh, that is 17.5 parts per billion. So very, very, very low amounts are allowable and safe. Here's what they're finding at the Alt-N Wastewater Lagoon. Clothianidin came in at 31,000 parts per billion in this wastewater uh, lagoon, which is sitting there, which then leaches into water sources throughout, albeit at a much smaller concentration after it's getting filtered through soil, filtered through other things, but there's still going to be a much larger amount of clothianidin in that water. Thiomethoxum, the one I just tried to pronounce and failed. At you 24, it, actually. <laughs> okay. At 24,000 parts per billion. And there's another one that is dangerous that was also found in the lagoon, which was at 312 parts per billion, which isn't quite as crazy high, but it's not great. And there's another one here. It's called, oh, Lord, here we go. Imidacloprid? Yeah. Say it again, Ben. Uh, Let's go with imidacloprid, just because that makes it rhyme a little bit. Uh, Yeah. That may be mispronounced, though. So imidacloprid, (laughs) you're allowed to have 0.385 parts per billion in your water. And they found in that lagoon there there was uh, 312 parts per billion. Not great, but that wastewater lagoon isn't even the worst part. If you look at parts of the soil on the property, parts of uh, where they're storing some of this stuff, this is what they found. Clothianidin was at 427,000 parts per billion 
thiamethoxam was was detected at 85,100 parts per billion. Now that is that's terrible and those high numbers are obviously because they are literally taking that stuff off of their product and placing it there, right? That's why you've got these majorly high things. It becomes scary when you put those two together and then you think about the surrounding area and all of the human beings that live there and all the pets and it just seems dangerous and there, there is an investigation going on. The problem is, as we've seen before, it's difficult to have a lot of movement or to get a lot of movement and a lot of action to occur when something like this is happening. The good thing is we actually have an update about what's happening now. Yeah, there is uh, some potential light at the end of the uh, toxic corn tunnel, a phrase we'll just make up. Uh, so Alton took over this plant. This ethanol plant existed before they, they took over in 2010. And just last week, as we record today, the Nebraska Department of Environment and Energy gave the company Alton two months to remove the uh, toxic materials from the plant, at least. But the problem is, I mean, that's good news, right? But the problem yeah, that's is, great news. The, the problem is the pollution has Elvis Presley style left the building already, right? You can, you can clean up the, uh, you can clean up the mess in the barn where the horse took a crap, but if the horse already left and is now just crapping all around Nebraska and what estimates say as far as Western Oklahoma, perhaps you're, I don't know. How do you, I, I don't know the science behind how you would go about cleaning the entirety of the area. Once that, like you said, once that groundwater leaches out. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the closest thing you could maybe compare it to would be the way some of these "quote unquote" Superfund sites are dealt with, uh, places where legacy nuclear waste is stored, and there's you know these like mandates from uh, the. U.S. government to clean up those sites and they're monitored over time. But that's that's the key is it takes time. There's not just like a one quick fix kind of like, OK, now we're all good. It's like an ongoing process. The other big problem is right there in Mead, you're smack dab in the middle of just tons of land that produces food. It mm. produce, produces animals and plants, mostly plants. And it's you know, if it gets further, far enough down the chain there, you're just going to have pollution for a while. The other big problem is in 2019, there was massive flooding that occurred in Mead, Nebraska and the surrounding areas. And if you've got any kind of storage of these materials on land and flooding comes through there, it just immediately gets shoved back into the water systems and then taken and carried further out. It's just it's it's not great. I don't have a lot more to add on this, guys, and I know we need to move on soon. I just want to, you know, put this message out to the folks in Mead, Nebraska, and the surrounding areas. If you've seen any of this stuff, if you've got, you know, pets that were affected, if you've been affected or your family, we would love to hear from you. Uh, you can always write to us, conspiracy at iheartradio.com. You've got our number. You'll hear that at the end. You can call us. Um, we'd love to know your story, and if there's anything you know, you think that can help or anything we need to know or to tell your fellow conspiracy realists about just uh, just talk to us. Oh, and if you are in a similar situation uh, mm -hmm. dealing with something like this in your neck of the global woods, whether in the U.S. or abroad, we want to hear your story as well, because this kind of stuff happens uh, under the headlines. 
you know, just under the fold of the proverbial newspaper around the world every day. And there are genuine conspiracies to cover it up. There are. Uh, last thing to the people of Alt-N, um, I would just say, I think everybody here knows you weren't trying to do this. You were trying to do something good by like saving some money and maybe even recycling some of these materials that were dangerous. Um, what I, what I, the last thing I would say to, to you is that you should update your website because if you go to altethanol.com, which is the Alt-N Ethanol site, and you scroll down a little bit, you get to the About Us part, uh, you can see that it's the website hasn't been finished yet. Um, it it has like, like an under construction <laughs> gif, like from the old GeoCities pages. No, it's got it's got pictures from what looks like it could be their their process, but it says grab interest, say something interesting about your business here, generate <laughs> excitement. What's something exciting your business has to uh, offer? Uh, how about so sludge? <laughs> more in Ipsum, at least. There's that. They actually <laughs> yeah. put some words in there. Uh, Matt, Matt, I I, I hear what you're saying about like, you know, good on them for trying to do a good thing. There there is the like, you know, dead inside part of me that's like nobody really cares about the environment when it comes to this stuff. They're just looking at a niche and they're going to try to make money. And a lot of this stuff is probably the result of being a little bit lazy in the effort to try and make money. Maybe, but you got to think a lot of the people who work there probably live very close and in the area and they're probably being affected. So, you know, that's a good point. And they probably had no idea this was, you know, this effect was coming from what they were doing. So just thinking about those folks. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I think that's it, guys. I think we'll need to, to move on now. Uh, we'll take a quick word from our sponsor and we'll be right back. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. 
if you dare. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. Quick note for today's segment. Uh, we are not native Russian speakers, and so you will hear us pronounce uh, the name Navalny a couple of different ways. Uh, so just know that we're aware of it and the correct pronunciation is indeed Navalny. And we have returned in the uh, globe of your mind, folks, or the flat disc, if that's your thing. Uh, let's let's spin. Let's give it a turn uh, from Mead, Nebraska to Russia. Whereas you might have heard, dissident reporter Alexei Navalny has once again been arrested. Uh, and this story gets real spooky real quick. So let me give you guys the bullet points and let's, you know, we can toss some questions about because I think this will interest you and I think it will interest you as well, dear conspiracy realist. So Alexei Navalny is not friends with Putin. Uh, unlike many journalists who are not friends with Vladimir Putin, Alexei Navalny is alive. Uh, and <laughs> I guess he's careful around polonium and third story windows. God, they are never going to let me into this country after this one. But uh, And he got really lucky on a plane. And he got very, very lucky on a plane. He's also a um, – I would say less – actually, I would say less a journalist and more an opposition activist out and out. Uh, he wants to fight what he sees as corruption in Russia. Uh, just last year, he was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize for his work. Like he's – it's not like he – no dig on us, but it's not like he's just making a podcast, you know. Which, you know, we work hard. Uh, so Novelny himself was originally in trouble with the government not for – well, they would say not for his opposition stuff, but for embezzlement. And he was warned against uh, – he was warned against returning to Moscow. He was arrested in Moscow airport uh, this Sunday as we record this. And we are recording this on January 19th, uh, 2021, which still feels weird to say. Novelny had a, a video posted af uh, like – around the time of his arrest where he said, don't be afraid, take to the streets, don't do it for me, do it for yourselves and your future. And you can see that video, at least for now, on YouTube. Uh, there is a nationwide protest planned on January 23rd. Uh, 
Novelty was like arrested right as he returned from Germany. He's technically in custody for 30 days. Uh, why was he in Germany? Well, he was recovering from a bad case of poison, which he blamed on, can you guess? We all get one guess. It's not Elvis Presley. Does it start with a P? It does start with a P. It's a rhyme with it's not Prince. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I got to say, I got to say, as much beef as we you know, maybe can have from time to time with our country, it is nice that we don't have to label journalists as dissidents and that you typically don't have to fear for your life if you write a mean article about the government. Right, right, for now. But, for, well, <laughs> yes, yeah, please, yes. For sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah that's wood. a very good point. That's a very good point because um, Novelny is, you know, he's out and out, again, more an opposition leader and activist, uh, but he's being treated just like a dissident journalist. So Putin's spokesperson refused to answer a lot of questions about Novelny. Uh, he recently only referred to the guy as the Berlin patient. Uh there's a press conference that was being held by the foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov. Uh, Lavrov accused all Western governments of, quote, using this arrest to distract from problems in their own countries. And he said, Russian officials are just following the law. I don't know why you guys are making a big thing about this. <laughs> he didn't say that last sentence. I'm paraphrasing. No, but, you, he meant it. That's what he was getting at. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so they know that international experts determined that Novelny was poisoned with something called Novichok, which we mentioned in an earlier episode. That's a chemical weapon that was developed by the Soviet Union. Uh, but the, the Kremlin says they had nothing to do with it. Uh, Putin did also in a, in a beautiful sideways mention. He's so good at these things. He said, you know, I've kind I've also kind of heard Novelny worked for us intelligence and, uh, Still, he wasn't – it was too insignificant for anyone to want to kill him, which is just such a weird brush off. Uh, yeah, but then we, we we mentioned the the investigation that he and Bellingcat and several other organizations put together where they allegedly telephoned that FSB agent or associate and then came – that person came clean about poisoning the underwear, I believe, the insides of the underwear – of Novelny, or at least uh, dosing it. Weird stuff. Yeah, yeah. It was it was the good old underwear poisoning. Good old Novichok in the underwear. Well, here's what here's what happened. This is pretty interesting. So he's accused of breaking the probation rules of a suspended sentence that he was given in an embezzlement case in 2014. This previous ruling barred him from participating in politics due to the government's concern about him being possibly corrupt. Uh, but yeah, you're right, Matt. In the case of the Novichok, he did some excellent social engineering, it would be called, and essentially got uh, got the folks involved on record saying they were doing this. They worked for the FSB, which is the successor of the, the KGB. And he may have, this is the cool thing, the breaking news kind of thing. He may have a dead hand of sorts, um, Vladimir Putin has not said Novelny's name in public for more than a decade. He's always called him that gentleman. And recently, the patient or the Berlin patient. Uh, but today, as we were recording this, while Novelny is in jail, 
and may not come out alive. Uh, his team released a mammoth investigation into something that all of us have been very interested in for some time, and that is Putin's wealth. And the uh, we're st- like I'm still reading up on this. I don't know if it's an episode in the future. I honestly don't know how much further we can poke this bear <laughs> without the bear poking back. Uh, but Putin has so much power; no one really knows how much money he has. Right? You can you can see this investigation. One of the craziest things is a $1 billion palace on the Black Sea. $1 billion. Take that, American millionaires. Uh, you're no longer <laughs> in the game. Uh, this, this place has like a five-story hockey rink. It has an amphitheater. It, it's, got a, it's got a bridge that would be impressive if you saw it in a city, but it just goes to a tea house. Yeah, Ben, what's the – because I heard there's video on this. Is there – what's the best way to find this, like for everybody to find this stuff? Yeah, so you can go to uh, palace.navalny.com, palace.navalny.com, where you can see right up. It's in Russian, but you can – the English translation is pretty good. Wow, it's a whole website? Oh, yeah, it's a huge it's a huge deal, because remember, a lot of people in Russia are having a very difficult time economically now. So the the footage itself was obtained by drone. This is the from what I understand, the team that was trying to use this drone technology to explore this, uh, they they made three other unsuccessful attempts because, as you can imagine, uh, Vladimir is a little bit of a stickler when it comes to his own security, right? And so, so now the big question is, was this put out, the timing of this, was this put out in retaliation for that arrest, retaliation for the poisoning? They obviously have been working on this for a long, long time. Is this the beginning of something else to come? So you can check out, uh, you can check out a write-up of this, a pretty long piece uh, called Putin's Palace, History of the World's Largest Bribe. That bribe may now be worthless because people know where this locate. people know the location of this place now, you know? Oh, yeah. And, and it has this, this location with all the opulence and luxury that you can see in the main buildings – appears at least through some of the photography that was taken to have a significant underground portion to it. Oh yes. Yes. And that is the thing that you would want to keep secret, right? You could even make, you can even make it known that, Oh yeah, well there's a, there's a presidential palace of sorts that exists near the black sea here. Um, just don't let them know about, you know, the bunker for when a, mil- a military is involved or an attack is involved. Um, that's, I would say that's dangerous for for the folks who are going to be there. I think you might be right on, Ben, that this is a dead hand of some sort that got triggered. Eat your heart out, Bond supervillains. I'm telling you, and no ding on Vladimir Putin. I'm not saying you're a supervillain if you listen to the show. I'm just saying it's really baller that you have a wine tasting room in the side of a cliff with a secret door. Like, it's it's so amazingly extra. <gasps> wow. So maybe we have another episode in the works here. How much is Vladimir Putin actually worth? Uh, This investigation will be one of the key 
pieces of research we use because there's nothing else like it in the public sphere. I'm sure that other intelligence agencies in NATO have something like that, but NATO is not itself an altruistic organization either. So you have to understand uh, the concept of good guys in international politics gets a little a, a little weird. Uh, but yeah, the the thing that make that's making headlines is Putin's palace. Do check out the documentary. But the more important thing I would argue is the full investigation of how this came about. And it gives us a look into the way that property and vacations and uh, vacation properties are used as a kind of corrupt currency in the world of international relations and bribes, because you can't necessarily just hand someone a billion dollars, but you can give them stuff Right, or you can take something that's worth a billion dollars and sell it for a hundred thousand or something. I'm just making numbers up, but that's <laughs> that's what's been obsessing obsessing me uh, today. We'll probably follow up with this later in the week, but we want to hear from you. I would love to know what the most opulent thing you've ever seen from a dictator is. Is it the Quran that Saddam Hussein wrote in his own blood? Is it his terrible works of historical romance where the entire thing is a metaphor for him, like, loving the cut? Uh, is, is it the excesses of Muammar Gaddafi? Is it the excesses of a Western political figure? Let us know. Uh, I, I love these sorts of stories. Can't wait to hear from you. Uh, as we always say, one eight three three stdwytk If you want to just share it with me directly, at HSW on Twitter. We're going to pause now uh, for a word from our sponsor, and we'll be back to the U.S. with one more piece of strange news. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, 
We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. And we're back with more strange news. Uh, This one's interesting. It's strange, sure. Um, It's a little spooky, but it just kind of clued me into a few things uh, that I was not aware of. I think we're all familiar with the Lizzie Borden story, uh, if for no other reason than that really kind of twisted children's rhyme. Uh, Completely inaccurate, by the way. Um, Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her mother 40 wax. When she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41. Uh, incorrect, because only 19 blows um, were, were uh, bestowed upon the mother, Abby Borden, um, who was actually a stepmother, if I'm not mistaken. And then there were 10 that were brutally rained down upon the 69-year-old Andrew Borden's uh, head and face. Um, he practically was discovered with his face, unrecognizable, completely split open. Uh, an absolute horror show. Crime scene. Uh, and, and, a, and a story that absolutely took the public by storm back in 1892. This story uh, was set, it's a, it's a, it's a true story, uh, in Fall River, Massachusetts in New England. Um, and Lizzie Borden was sort of the primary suspect of the uh, of the murder. Um, she and her sister apparently did not have a good relationship with their stepmother. There was arguing over money, um, and Lizzie had the least plausible alibi, or at the very least was uh, the one that was most likely to have been nearby when it happened. So in the trial took place. A lot of circumstantial evidence was flung at Lizzie, uh, and she was ultimately acquitted. Uh, and that's sort of a story for another day. There's a lot of interesting kind of gender politics and just kind of norms of the time, uh, and also not to mention like you know where uh, we were as a society when it comes to things like forensics. Um, they they did have like kind of rudimentary fingerprinting back in those days, but surely nothing like what we have today. Um, but the reason I'm even talking about Lizzie Borden, uh, which you may be asking yourself, is uh, the house there where this double murder took place is for sale right now. So you could be the proud owner of uh, the Lizzie Borden murder house, which I was not aware at all already is and likely will remain a bed and breakfast. Mm-hmm. 
Huge um, industry, actually. Huge industry. Bed and breakfast. Yeah. Quaint little oh, you no, know, murder, 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 murder bed and breakfast. Bre- that's hard to say. Murder, bed and breakfast, Ben, you say? A big a big industry? I was not aware of this. There are a lot of people who believe it, at least. Uh, you can, because, you know, people might not want to own a home that has a, a bloody past like this. Uh, but uh, there is a not insignificant amount of people who would love to visit for a night. Because no matter what Lizzie actually did there in the home, two people were brutally murdered. So uh, you can see why a lot of a lot of other folks want to explore it, uh, especially those who are interested in that, you know, that liminal space between life and death. And this got me thinking, huh, uh, I wonder what the laws are around uh, these types of, of, of home sales. Obviously, in this one, it's a feature and not a bug uh, in the um, in the property listing. It's described as being a turnkey operation. Um, and the, the only reason that it's being sold at all is because the couple that's owned it for the last 20 years uh, would like to retire. Um, so it's apparently like, you know, it, it would it's already set up. The infrastructure is already there to continue as a, uh, a bed and breakfast, um, including the intellectual property. They actually, because by owning the house, they own like the legacy kind of of that IP, which is fascinating. Uh, and there's also merchandise they can sell. It's a little miniature museum. Um, here, here's a quote from the current owners. We're hoping that someone will come in and buy it and keep it as a bed and breakfast and for tours. Uh, it's one of the most visited tourist attractions in New England. It's well known all over the world. And on a normal year, you have people that come in from all over. Uh, and here's another interesting twist. Lizzie Borden, after she was acquitted, she lived out the remainder of her life, um, you know, in the lap of luxury, more or less. I mean, there was a lot of family money. Uh, they were a very well-to-do New England family. Uh, and she and her sister moved to a nearby house. They didn't even, like, have to, like, go on the lam or, like, get out of town. Uh, I- I've always loved the idea of living in a house with a name. Uh, and this is, a, this is a doozy. This house was called Maplecroft. Um, and it was nearby. And it is also for sale. So you could buy not only the house where the murders took place, but Lizzie Borden's uh, residence when she herself uh, passed away. Um, I have a I have a question. Yeah, what's the what's the breakfast like at the Airbnb? It's a good question. I'm assuming brains and eggs, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I always feel a little disappointed when you go to a bed and breakfast and there's just like the the continental breakfast. Oh yeah, it's in the name, I mean? man. You got to like really give it a little bit of extra attention. Uh, and also, not to mention the whole issue of the idea. Of, I mean, it's in a Key and Peele sketch, but a continental breakfast just sounds so fancy and bougie and you realize it's just like a couple of cereal dispensers and like a basket of muffins and that's all it takes for it to uh, be a continental breakfast. Surely we've seen various you know grades of continental breakfast but the bare minimum for a continental breakfast is not much. Um, Don't don't let me derail us either. I'm just I'm always interested. The breakfast talk is very important Ben Um, but like I said it did get me thinking, you know, what are the laws about disclosing these kinds of things? You know, if you're a realtor, uh, obviously, and like I said, in these condi- in these situations, it's something that, you know, it's right out there on the open. It's on the name of the house, practically. It might as well be called the, you know, Lizzie Borden murderer bed and breakfast, you know. Um, but uh, other situations, that would not be the case. You might not want to tell uh, a newlywed couple that, you know, a murder-suicide took place in the, their first home that they're going to buy and, and uh, you know, raise their family in or whatever. Uh, and it turns out it varies state by state. And and the name for these types of properties is in and of itself very interesting. These are referred to as stigmatized properties. Uh, 
And they're essentially uh, properties where because of some sort of um, undesirable event, whether emotional or psychological, um, people might consider them to be tainted in some way. Um, and they're divided into very interesting categories as well. Oh, for example, think about like the O.J. Simpson home in, in Los Angeles. That'd be a good one. Um, okay, so murder or suicide stigma. It's pretty self-explanatory. Apparently, uh, about 45% of Americans, according to an article in the Huffington Post, believe that when there is, is a violent act, such as murder or suicide, that takes place in the home, that ghosts or spirits of the, the murdered or you know, uh, expired souls will remain in the house. Uh, 45% of Americans. But here's the thing. Most states actually don't require... The disclosure of a murder or suicide in a home, um, but it's also illegal for a, a realtor to knowingly mislead a buyer. So if the buyer's done their homework and they ask, the seller can't be like, "No, no, n- n- nothing to see here." That's absolutely not true. <laughs> but did did someone die in this house, sir? Well, what is what is life exactly? What is what death? is life? Have you seen the the crown molding though? Let's focus. It's, on oh that. my gosh, gorgeous cabinetry! Um, it's true. Oh my god, have you seen this mud room? I just recently found out what a mud room is. Uh, the hell is another, a mud room? A mud room is a room like an entryway when you come into the house, and there's a little room where you like take off your boots and like maybe there's little hooks to hang your coats on and stuff, and sometimes cubbies or something for the kids. Yeah. So it's it's more for room. northern climates where right. you can expect a certain amount of snow. Yes, year. with garages and all that. But it's also kind of considered a fancy add-on. Some people get them uh, remodeled because it's like considered a little bit an upgrade. Um, but here, here's an interesting one, too. Uh, public intrigue stigma. So that would be something like a popular shooting location for a TV show. Um, finding a lot of this information from a site called OmegaHome.com um, that, that lists all of these laws state by state. Uh, and they use the example of the Breaking Bad home in... Um, uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, you know, the one where he throws the pizza on the roof and all that. Apparently that was a thing. People would constantly come by and throw a pizza on the roof <laughs> and a family just lives there. Uh, and, and they found it to be an absolute nuisance. Uh, and they be- became quote, fearful to leave the property unattended and had to install a metal fence to keep all these looky loos away. Um, let's get into the next one, which I think was really particularly uh, interesting for, for this show. Paranormal activity stigma. Okay, so that sort of ties into murder-suicide, especially since a lot of times, I mean, I think you could be anti-living in a murder-suicide house, even if you weren't, like, superstitious about, you know, ghosts or paranormal activities. I think it would maybe just, maybe you could be superstitious, just like, oh, it's bad luck, but not necessarily believe that it's haunted. But here's the thing. Uh, Realtor.com conducted a survey and found that 49% of people would not consider moving into a house that was purported to be haunted. Oh, and only four states require disclosure. Is that, one of them Massachusetts? I, uh, yeah, like, it's Minnesota, Massachusetts, Jersey, and New York. See, I figured – for some reason, Massachusetts just strikes me as a place where like 98% of America's haunted houses probably are. Well, it's also – it's got such a um, long history in this country. You know yes, what I mean? Yes, 100%. Hundred percent, and a and a long history with things like witchcraft and the paranormal. Um, but yeah, forty nine percent of people surveyed 
so they wouldn't move into a house that was considered haunted. And and here's my question: when it comes to hauntings and all of that, don't you have to consider the source? Like, what would you consider uh, to be a, uh, a like a reliable source for whether or not a house was haunted? Just like neighborhood kids, you know, whispering around the you know on their bikes, or like, do you need something a little more serious than that? Do you need to have it like exercised or like w- some kind of like you know Amityville type situation? What would it take for you guys to consider a house as maybe probably definitely haunted a properly trained exorcist uh with you know within the catholic church and dogma uh we'd get that person at least one uh we would need someone probably who practices santeria uh to also show up and check the house and once once those two professionals have gone through and either cleared or you know made me aware that something has gone on that I can then I can definitely buy the house once we can prove that something has happened. Oh, so you want this, Matt? You want to move into a haunted house? Is that what you're saying? Okay, all right. I would say uh, first, I uh, you guys know how I feel about gentrification, so I'd be very hesitant to gentrify a spirit, especially if they were there beforehand. What right do I have? Just because I got the the kind of coupons that are in vogue nowadays. Uh, to to answer the question, there there's a great scientific angle we can look at. If anybody hasn't checked out our earlier episode on ghost and infrasound, I would I would look into any possible acoustic anomalies or maybe geomagnetic anomalies, uh, any kind of pollution. Like to me, it doesn't matter whether or not there's a quote unquote ghost. It matters that there are things that are indicative of unpleasant experiences that might be considered a haunting. But I, I see, like, if there's a spirit there in, in a house, and I, you know, despite the fact that there's no universally proved upon proof of ghosts, if I feel like there's a ghost there, then I would just try to get along with it. You know what I mean? I'm not going to hassle anything. The story of the human species is filled with tales of people getting along with the supernatural, you know, a little saucer of milk out there for the kobold or whatever, you know, or the fairy, the fae. I would just I would just make friends with it if I thought there was something there. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you're right, Ben. Massachusetts, Ohio, Minnesota have specific men- language uh, saying that uh, the the seller need not disclose parapsychological or supernatural phenomenon. Um, it, it's not that they have a law. It's just that it's actually mentioned. So this one in particular, uh, hate to tell you any uh, first-time home buyers who are getting cold feet, you can't claim haunting to get out of your uh, your your escrow. Oh yeah, sorry. That's that's what I meant. Yeah, the the New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, and Minnesota are the only ones I know of that say that deal with paranormal activity in any way in their disclosure laws. But they definitely don't all treat it all the same. I was not aware of Ohio. I thought there were just four. Yep, that, that's what I've got here in, in this. Uh, Omega article. Uh, next, we've got an obvious one, criminal stigma. So this would be like if your house was, I mean, this could also fall under things like uh, environmental. Uh, if your house was formerly a meth lab, you know, and there could potentially be some contamination left over from that. But the criminal stigma is is uh, first and foremost in terms of, you know, uh, the idea of maybe this house is marked. Uh, if there's, it has a reputation, perhaps there could be some blowback from criminal enterprises or people knowing where the house is. That's where my mind would go. If, if I knew that, that my house had been used as a, you know, uh, some sort of like headquarters for criminal activity, I'd be wondering, 
is there some crazy stuff buried beneath the floorboards that someone's going to be coming back looking for? You know, uh, I would be concerned about that. I think that's a legit one. Uh, then you have debt stigma. Um, and that's, you know, just what, exactly what it sounds like the home, uh, maybe future owners might, uh, be contacted, but this is the kind of thing that, uh, title searches, which is actually what my good friend Frank, uh, does for a living where, where people actually look up the, the, um, chain of custody for a property and make sure there aren't any loans or I'm sorry, there aren't any outstanding liens, uh, from previous owners or things that have like kind of, you know, move forward through the chain of custody because that would be something that a new buyer would be responsible for. So when you look at a new property, especially if you're like a prospector trying to flip houses, you get a title search done on that house, especially if you buy it like on a, uh, oh, like a foreclosure, for example, you'd want to make sure that it was clean of any, you know, debt uh, or any like title issues. Uh, And then something that I think is delightfully called minimal stigma, which is something that only would bother a very small percentage of the population. Uh, So for example, someone died of a terminal illness within the home. So not in the violent death category, Uh, even though it's not communicable, there's no, you know, contamination concerns. um, Someone could just be in that same way, scared of living in a house where someone has expired Um, or perhaps uh, a sex offender in the living in the neighborhood. Um, Anyway, so just to follow up on the on the Ohio stuff, I, I'd love to hear from a lawyer on this because I'm looking at it and it looks like I, I didn't find a specific mention in their law, but I guess subsequent case law maybe covered it, which maybe means somebody went to went to court over this. Like, hey, you should have told me this house was haunted. I would love to find that case and hear specifically how it went down. So let us know. Let us know if you went to court for this, whatever state you're in. That would be amazing. I bet Frank has some stories. Oh, he definitely does. And also some fabulous names. He'll text me uh, pictures of of crazy sounding names from from some of these documents that he finds. Uh, And it's actually a pretty simple um, list to run down to say who requires the disclosure of deaths and who doesn't. Alaska does. California is one. Uh, we've got Wyoming. Looks like West Virginia here, but not Virginia. Uh, in California, the the way the civil code reads is California requires the owner of a home to disclose uh, if an occupant of their home has died in their house in the past three years. No other state comes close to such a mandate. Most uh, that require a disclosure have it only apply within the past year. So California is the most stringent, which I guess makes sense. Um, Colorado, on the other hand, uh, finds that facts pertaining to events which could, quote, psychologically impact or stigmatize a property are not subject to disclosure in Colorado. That includes murder, suicide, and any other felony which may have taken place. Um, So there you go. Buy Lizzie Borden's uh, two houses. Start a new career as a proprietor of a murder Airbnb. Just to continue on the subject of the Borden house before we go, isn't it a little interesting that they are retiring in a time when there's a pandemic and, you know, rental properties are having trouble right now, getting anyone to actually come out and stay somewhere, let alone go to a museum or, you know, stay in a, in a bed and breakfast where you're going to have close contact perhaps or closer contact with people. That's a good point. I mean, it's a commercial property and commercial real estate is going to be in the doldrums, at least in the U.S., for a long, well, for uh, some measure of time. There's no way around it. It's like the question of what's going to happen to shopping malls. You know what I mean? That'll be an interesting story to follow. For now, uh, let us know, have you gone to court for a stigmatized house? Uh, If so, what went down? Do you believe that you have ever lived in 
or experience the haunted house for yourself. Is your town, your neck of the global woods, like Mead, Nebraska, going through uh, some underreported corporate shenanigans, right? Uh, We want to know your stories. We also want to know what you think about uh, Novelny's immediate prospects for living through 2021 uh, and what you think about uh, what's been disclosed about Vladimir Putin's uh, still unknown to a great degree amount of wealth. We try to make it easy to find us on the internet. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Swing on by. Uh, here's where it gets crazy. You can run into some of the best mods in the business and, of course, the best part of this show, you and your fellow listeners. But hey, you might be saying, I hate social media. It just ugh, it gives me shivers like a like a, a, someone's walking over my digital grave. We get it. There are more ways to find us. That's right. Don't like social media? Use YouTube because that's not social media. Mm, maybe it is. Uh, YouTube.com slash conspiracy stuff. You can see clips of these episodes there. You can like and subscribe if you so wish to do so. And join in the discussions in the comment section because that is always just a an exciting thing to do <laughs> so wholesome mm-hmm. those comments mm-hmm. <laughs> if you don't want to do that we have a phone number that's right it's one eight three three stdwitk you get three minutes to leave a message those three minutes are yours as ben would say do with them what you will but try to keep it to three minutes you'll you'll find you'll have better luck in getting on one of our listener mail episodes if you do please also do let us know if it's okay to use the message uh, in its audio glory on the show and also if it's okay to use your name and if you don't want to do that stuff then hey we've got a great old-fashioned kind of way to contact us goes way back to the 90s 90s? I think the well, 90s. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's an email. We have an email. It is. Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. With 
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.